Hello there. Welcome along to the podcast, Sport and Life. How are you doing? Monday, March the 15th, 2021. I hope you had a good weekend. I was largely working, but I think everyone's slightly kind of buoyed and morale growing with the sense of, of impending liberation as we edge towards freedom, return to normal after the pandemic year 2020-21. Hope you're well wherever you are in the world. Probably got relative degrees of liberty and coronavirus infections, that kind of stuff. So hopefully we're all, we're all moving in the right direction. Uh, thank you for hitting on the button. Thank you to the sponsors. Bumped into Jason Briggs. Well, I couldn't really talk because he was on the phone with a client and he says he's very busy, which is great. The owner of Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV, specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands, providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations. Yeah, good to hear that they're busy. I know they're decking out a home on the Imperial Gardens in Cheltenham around the corner from me. They are actually based in Montpellier in Cheltenham here in the west of England. Beautiful courtyard location. Unfortunately, I guess still technically closed to the public as all non-essential stores remain here in England. Um, I think you can get a haircut in Wales today, which is interesting. I wonder how, how long it would take me to drive. Probably about an hour and a half. Maybe I could cross the border, get a chop, come back. Yeah, I'm slightly sort of uh, bushy bits on the side of my head now uh, with the hair growing out. Not too, it's not as wild as and wispy as I thought it might be. But still, yeah, I've been looking forward to getting the barbers open here next month, which is good to see Jason and good to hear they're busy and looking forward to that store reopening. But head to the Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham website and indeed B&O Twitter, B&O Instagram, and you can get access to the team there. The website, of course, great to see all the latest equipment. Bang Olufsen's Instagram account, Bang Olufsen Cheltenham Instagram account, good for the videos. And they put one up recently about all the speakers they have available and things like that, which is cool. And I guess with people spending more time at home, I suppose it's one of those counterintuitive things that maybe more likely to get those home entertainment systems. And through Serene AV, it's not just the bag and and equipment they can source for you, offer bespoke solutions. He texted me a really cool installation they've done with a big screen recently, did Jason. So you know, good to have them on board. Really appreciate the support. It's been almost a year now. And it's really helped kind of galvanize me into doing these regularly. Uh, thank you to Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham. Thank you to Cytoplan, the food-based supplement company. Again, just up the road from here in the west of England in a place called Hanley Swan on the outskirts of the wonderful Malvern, the Malvern Hills towering over this part of the world. You can see it from most other lofty perches, lovely range of hills that kind of beckon the border towards Wales, actually, in the west of England. Um, but uh, it's good to... Good to have them on board because we've been taking the supplements for 20 years and they're food-based, which means they're digested in theory like food is. And my father's worked as a consultant for them. He's a GP practitioner, doctor, but also a micronutritionist who's fascinated by trace elements, things like selenium and zinc, feels they're depleted in UK soil in particular. And you'd have to, if you're listening around the world, listen, look at the soil samples around you, look at the research into it about where you stand with trace elements like selenium and zinc. But I know that people actually are ordering through my discount code quite a lot of iron, selenium, immune complete, which is a rounded, holistic, multivitamin, vitamin, you might call it, if you're listening in Australia or America. Um, so it's interesting that people are doing that. Uh, if you want to do the same, head to cytoplan.co.uk, C-Y-T-O-P-L-A-N.co.uk, and the discount code is DRAPER10R, D-R-A-P-E-R, all capital letters, the numbers one zero, and the capital letter R. Now, great podcast coming up, really 
appreciate his time, hour and 20 minutes of it. You don't have to listen to it all at once, but I think you will find it compelling listening. Colin Hendry, former Premier League star defender, although he re- reveals here he used to be in a striker, which I hadn't realised in, in the early stages of his career, but a Blackburn legend winning the title with them, the Premier League title in 1995. Scotland international as well. Somehow didn't make his debut for Scotland until he was 27, I think. But iconic figure, not least because of his flowing, long, blonde, locks that he had in his heyday still got his uh, his hair today as well like wears it quite long so Colin Hendry is the guest and really appreciate his time and what shone through for me throughout this was the fact he still loves playing football has that joy that I suppose we all have as children that f- we fall in love with sport whatever our particular sport may be and I can empathize with Colin loving football and just loving kicking a ball as a kid and saw a toddler doing the same actually around the corner from me in a play park and it sort of brought back that feeling of, of joy. And he's retained that because he still plays now, recreationally on the weekend, charity games, whenever he can. So here he is, uh, the wonderful former Man City, Blackburn Rangers in Scotland and other clubs. But uh, we'll always remember him, I think, for winning that title with Blackburn as well in 95. The one and only Colin Hendry. Okay. Colin Hendry, welcome to the podcast. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm excellent, yes. Another day? Yes. Looking forward to this, Ed. Would you, yes. Well, it was really great to speak to you. And I appreciate it as well because you've had your hands full over, over lockdown. Everyone's been locked down, but you've been um, doing a lot of stuff looking after your mum in the northeast of Scotland. It's been a, been a hugely challenging time, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's what it is. It's, I mean, it's just one other example of what people's got to go through. And I think um, if you were to interview a lot of different people, Ed, you'd get a similar story um yeah. not been too well she's not kept good health um i've been up visiting her last 12 18 months um throughout her treatment um <clears throat> of course covid um is the problem we've got in the world at large today mm. and i've just been supporting her through that and we're okay it's it's just trying to get on with life at the same time there isn't of course i mean we don't really have a normal life at this minute in time but mm. um I think we're looking, you know, we're maybe just getting to see a little bit of daylight with that. And, and hopefully we won't get back to normality. I don't think we'll ever get back to normality or what was known as normality. Um, but hey, but I think we're heading in the, the right direction, hopefully. Well, that's fantastic. And it's, it's great that you've, you've done that for your mum. I know your sister encouraged you to, didn't she? She's based in Australia. So she's sort of... Uh, that's a, well, that's easy for I've her, yeah. I've passed the hat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I'm going to steal you. I'm going to steal you. You're in Manchester. <clears throat> Can you go and accommodate mum and blah, 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 which is fine. But yeah, yeah. no, I understand that. And um, yeah, I mean, we've had, some, we've had some fantastic times as a family and everyone else. So <clears throat> mum's on the road to recovery. Um, so yeah. <clears throat> Well, that's good to hear. We were just saying, actually, weren't we, about the comparison between the two main lockdowns that we've had in the UK being the last one was sort of a novelty in a sense, but this one with the weather and the, and the time of year, football's kind of got us through. You said you're looking forward to your old club Man City playing tonight. Yeah, I mean, uh, when you look at the first lockdown and we didn't really realise, I think, what we were to expect and to go through um, and what to endure, no sport, um, but we did have the beginning of summer yeah. Um, so with the good weather, we could get out and about, uh, well, exercise-wise. Um, but then with the, the recent one, it's been much more difficult throughout Christmas, New Year, winter. Yeah. Um, but for the sake of the game, football, wow. You know, and, and I mean, there's a lot of different sports as well as being able to 
continue, which is good for whoever's interested in, 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 the, in the rugby and the tennis and the cricket, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. So, but for me, a footballing man, oh, it's been phenomenal. It's been, I mean, it's been better. Really? If I'm being really honest, it's been, well, it has been because you've got a game on. Oh, yeah. Excuse oh, me. yeah. 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 You've got a game on, Ed, every, every hour of the day. I mean, come the weekend, you've got 12, 3 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 8 o'clock. It's magnificent. Yeah. It's brilliant. You can't beat it. Queer eyes. Well, how's your other half? Is she, is she accommodating for that? Is she? Because my wife will sometimes say, you've watched about three games today already. It's time to, uh, well, I've, I've been to, to watch a film. Yeah, I've been travelling quite a bit. And I spend a lot, most of the time I've been in the north of Scotland looking after mum. Yeah. So, and the times that I have been back, and it hasn't been, well, it's, it's nearly to nearly three months now since I've been back mm. um, in the Northwest to see my partner. Um, that'll loosen up in the next, hopefully in the next week or so, where I can see, I can see Joe. Um, it's, it's, not be, it's not been easy, but it's, yeah, I think things will develop and change as lockdown loosens up. Yeah. Um, so the games will then go back to, I suppose, a, I suppose, a, a normal timescale. Um, yeah. I mean, even even the games, the championship and League One, League Two are kicking yeah. off at five o'clock, six o'clock. And because of the non-participants of, 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 of a crowd of mm. being there, then that's easier, I would say, for them. But you, I'm, do it whenever, listen, yeah. Yeah. you can't you can't beat. I mean, the only thing I can say Ed, about the game at the minute is that it must it's like a practice match without the practice. Yes. And. I don't know. I mean, my son's a professional footballer. And Callum, yeah. Yeah, Cal's at Aberdeen on loan from St. Johnston. And I've said, I've asked him, and, and, he, and he said, initially it was just like a practice match. I think now the players have gotten into some sort of routine of realising there's not going to be a crowd there mm. and there's no pressure from the outside. It's the pressure comes from within yourself and within the manager and the team and everything else and what you, what you try and achieve and strive to achieve. You put your pressure on yourself. Does, does he feel but, more relaxed, or does he feel harder to motivate himself? How does he? How does he see that balance? Well, no, I think I think I think he just feels it's much much different from having a crowd there. Because don't get me wrong, Ed. I mean, I never, I didn't thrive on the opposition crowd abusing me and booing me and giving me. Yeah, but never. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I didn't really. I didn't find it a problem. I, you know, it was to a lot of the t a lot of the time. It's like a mark of respect where fans would shout and scream at you and abuse you, and that's part of the game. That is part of the game, and will always be part of the game. But there is, I think, to be fair, there is examples of some football clubs, football teams, struggling without their 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 home mm. support. You know, I mean, I mean, I've just got to mention. I'd mentioned Liverpool, for yeah. example. I can't, I can't for the life of me see Liverpool having the results that they've had with a full house at Anfield. Yeah. Do you think they wouldn't, they, wouldn't feel as, they wouldn't feel tired as much? It would sort of just keep them fired up more? And Is that what you think? I, I just can't. I don't know what it would be, Ed, if I'm being really honest, but I just can't. There's no way they would go through a run of games and the results if the cop... And there's a full house at Anfield. Mm. I, I, that's the one example for me that sticks out. That's what I'm saying, you know. And mm. and the, the, because of the Premiership being on Sky every game virtually, mm. then you're going to watch every game. <laughs> the beauty of that. <laughs> um, 
but as you, I just can't see that ever, ever being. It's not an excuse. I'm not giving Liverpool an excuse. No, but it's just an example that I couldn't see for the life of me that Liverpool would be in the position if they had a crowd at their games. Not for me. We could, could, can you empathise with Liverpool because you had the title in '95 at Blackburn, didn't you? In the next season, was mm. it difficult? Can you see any parallels there? Was it difficult to sustain that that level? Did you feel like you got on the top of the hill and, and maybe the next season was a challenge? Well, I, I did read, I read a couple of quotes, and there's a couple of people came out with this one. They said that the hardest parts were in the first one. Well, I don't think that's entirely true. I think the hardest parts sustaining mm. and 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 winning it again. For me, I think I wouldn't say it's easy. <laughs> it's yeah. not easy winning winning your first Premiership, but sustaining that level of performance to to retain the title, and you've got to look at the likes of Man United, where they've in the past they've been, and of course it's down to the manager being capable of doing that. Um, the comparisons between Liverpool and Blackburn, I've got to say, is that Liverpool's a massive football club. Blackburn yeah. Rovers wasn't, um, but we still managed to win the title and we found it, we did find it difficult the year after. We had a change of manager. Yeah. That was a big difference as well as. Um, Liverpool connection Kenny, there as well, isn't there, with Kenny? Yeah. Yeah. Kenny remained. Kenny remained. He went upstairs. Ray Harford took over. Um, and Ray, to me, arguably was probably the best coach I had. Um, certainly the coach that I thought um, made a massive difference in my career. Um, into becoming an out-and-out central defender. I mean, I'd, I'd pilfered with playing up top at City when I was at the back end of my career at Man City, which I started at the back. Yeah, the, well, I was on the bench. and then That, that was in fashion there, wasn't it? So that You had like Dublin <laughs> and Paul Warhurst and people like that. Yeah. Chris, Listen, Sutton, Chris Sutton played, he became so a great striker, the, yeah. There was a few. There was a few, Ed, where back in the day... Um, you could play if you, I mean, I, I did feel I was an out and out centre back, but when you were on the bench, you just filled that void. You said, Listen, if if at any time we'll, we'll need a goal, last 10 minutes, throw them on up front. I mean, I did score mm. against Sheffield Wednesday um, oh, really? in, a cup, in a cup competition, come off the bench for City. Yeah, I scored, I think it was the equaliser. Um, so I, it's, and then a couple of times I'd, I'd gone, away, I think it scored at West Ham, scored at Tottenham. But these were probably games where I was starting as a centre back, but still had a knife for goal. Sort of goal. 1990 time, nineteen ninety nine. Round then, yes, yep. 1991, That would have been the. That's what is that now? That's oh goodness, thirty years ago, nearly. Incredible, wow. isn't it? Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. But um, no, that's that's where I started as a striker and then developed into a centre back. But um, still at the back end of my career at City, I could um, come on and maybe get, grab a goal. So were you a target man striker? Was that your type? Yeah, yeah. I couldn't run, mate. <laughs> you could run, you I could run, run when I played with you two years ago. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think the managers that... Um, and then around that time, um, Don Mackay, who signed me at Dundee right early in my career as a striker, and then Don left, Archie Knox took over, and with Jockey Scott, who Jockey was the manager when I, when he released me to go to Blackburn in '87, mm. um, they were all much. Is he a striker? Is he not? And <laughs> it was Archie said, Archie, I'll try it centre back. And I really went to centre back and never looked back from that point of view, but still had the eye for goal. But then 
I still filled that to voids um, Ed, where I could play up top or I could play at the back and yeah. I had an eye for goal. But running, it was pace. Yeah. You know, not the pace, it's not the quickest. So therefore, in my position as a central defender, I had to learn to read the game. Um, and that's where I had my strengths, really. I didn't really have to be quicker than the man I'm up against. Um, but I did have to try and second guess and read his next move sort of mm-hmm. thing. And if your body, your body is, your body's in a position most of the time, 90% of the time to prevent the move that you think he's going to make anyway. So you're sick. It's all about reading the game and stuff yeah. like that. And um, that's where I ended up as, and, you know, it was the right thing for me to do is, is be a centre back. But when I play my games and I know that game we played two years ago, I had to play at the back. Yeah. But, on a Sunday, if I'm in, back in Lytham St Anne's and I'm playing for the Clifton Casuals, my team is there. Or yeah. if I'm playing for, in Blackburn for the the, um, the team, uh, uh, I forget the name. Probably me. I think it is. Is it old boys? I would play. I would play. I would play up top. I get fed up, Ed, playing at the back, mate. Well, you, you should you should have <laughs> so played up top in that game because we, we we were struggling with a bunch of sports reporters and and, uh, and actors and all sorts of people playing at that game. But you should have got up top in that one. To be fair, the rest of us were carrying fridges around on our backs. Apart from <laughs> Mickey, Mickey Gray, still looked like he should be playing professional Mickey. football. He was floating over the ground, wasn't he? That was, uh, that was fascinating yeah. to see him play. Gavin McCann Michael. was in there. Yeah, well, Michael and Gav. I mean, we we've got a trip we go to Dubai every. Um, March, uh, February, March every year. It's been cancelled this year, obviously. Um, Scotland, England legends down in Jebel Ali. Um, mm. um, Derek White, Derek organises it. Rob McCaffrey, big Rob. Oh, yeah. He's there yeah, a couple of times. Does it? And does it? We often have a couple of um, Ron Atkinson takes England side. Oh, okay. So yeah. um, and it's a good, it's a good gig. And you should get Carlton Palmer to play because he's in touch with Ron still. Does he play? Carl yeah, Palmer? Pidge, P- Pigeon, big Pidge. I played with at Coventry. Yeah, he's, yeah. I mean, by looking at his Twitter account, he's still as fit, which is great. Yes. Um, is it, I mean, it's, it, there's quite a few of us, really, who, who like to think we keep fit and do a little bit. Um, yeah. you, still enjoy, you still enjoy playing football, don't you? Which I think sometimes it surprises people that ex-players almost want to move away from it. I, I understand that playing at the highest level, sometimes you don't, but you still seem to, when we played, have that joy of just, I remember you tapping the ball off someone who was lying strewn on the ground and just having a bit of fun with it. And actually, you just seem to yeah. love playing football, which I think all of us do who never made it as footballers. But sometimes it's, it's, it's great when you retain that love for playing, I think, after you've finished. That will never change, Ed, for me. That will never change. The, 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 the day that comes that I can't run, It'll be a really, really sad day for me because if I can't run, then that means I can't play the game. Yeah. Um, that in a nutshell. I mean, after this, I'm going to go out on the bike um, instead of going out for a run because it's a sunny day up here in the northeast of Scotland. But the day, I mean, I've got a lot of games lined up throughout this year for charity yeah. Yeah. all over the country. Um, and the obviously, with the the rules and the laws is everything at this minute in time we're not allowed but I think back end of this month beginning the next month yeah. I think Sunday League starting back up in Blackburn Sunday League which I've already had the manager on but that's an open age group I've got to play at the back in that so I'll be up against 20 year olds if I get a game <laughs> oh wow if I get if I, if I get selected it's an open Sunday League age group in Blackburn yeah 
Poppy May. Poppy May is the team. That's Hartley as a manager. Do people target you because they know you're an ex-pro or what, is it in that sense? Um, well, I think you're, they're always going to try and get one over me, aren't they? Mm. Um, I've got good legs around me. Um, I mean, to be fair, the last game I did play, Ed, I played mm. up top. We won 11-1, I think, eight or 8-11-1. I scored, nice. scored a couple. Scored yeah. a couple. I should have, should have had a hat trick. Yeah. Um, but Daz Hartley, who's the manager, he's, he's, there's going to be some heavy duty games coming up. And I think they've reduced, they've changed the format as well into like a Champions League type format rather than an open league, the proper division, divisional league, um, really because of um, the amount of times we can play, etc. But we need to get back playing because yeah. it's a big, but I've got games this season. I've got charity games to get involved in. I've got to still really go over my format for the season and how many games I've got, but I still love playing. Mm. Um, and, but as, as I said, I would be deeply, well, I'm going to be really upset the day comes when I can't run around. Um, yeah. If that, if that, if that day comes, sort of, and it will, walking will come, football, but walking football, on no, the no, 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 no. I've had people, and because I'm in my mid fifties, people say to me, they, they go, "You're ready for the walking football." I don't even understand that. I can't no. get to that. I couldn't get that in my head as to what. No. You see, no, no, you see, no. you see for, the boy they're playing, and they look so frustrated because they just want to like stretch and get the ball and, and do a little bit of a burst, but they can't do it. And it's, uh, it, it, I can imagine it being quite frustrating actually. I'd rather just have a kid with my kids, maybe or something at that stage. Yeah, but Ed, I don't even want to know. I don't okay. even know want to know about because that's not that's not football. No. You know, f- uh, uh, football. I mean, it's it's like for me, the game, for example, in Dubai is well organised, and you've got. You know, you've got loads of different people that's involved in that. Frank McAvenny, Ali McCoist, you know, uh, Teddy Sheringham, he was out one year. Mickey Gray, as you mentioned, there's, there's Gavin McCann. There's loads, there's loads of people Bet involved. Sheringham's still fit, is he? He's Sheringham always. Teddy was, yeah. yeah. Teddy, yeah. Teddy, Teddy was fit. Um, yeah, um, big Stevie Howard. Steve was there. Seth Johnson. Um, there was lo- loads, and but it's well organised. But it's a proper game. There's no. There's no like, um, there's, there's, no, there's nothing. And walking football, no. And there is, I mean, Tony Hartley in Blackburn, who runs the, the walking football team, the Blackburn Rovers walking football team, he's messaged me so many times. He said, Come on, Carl, you need to. Um, no, Tony, yes. no, not happening <laughs> that one, I'm afraid. Yeah, well, you seem, you, you were incredibly fit. You're fit than, than all the rest of us. I remember feeling, I was 35, 36 at that point. I felt absolutely exhausted. But that's, I usually play five aside. So since I was like 21, 22, I haven't really played 11 aside. That's the downside of working as a, as a sports reporter. You're always working weekends and, and uh, evenings when you could be playing football. But the one thing I've missed yeah. actually during lockdown is the five aside game I have. And I've not been able to rekindle that because it was inside a school hall. And that's never come back since last March. So mm. I need to look at when the regulations loosen if it's not going to be indoor football straight away what I can do because you're right and remember Martin Tyler the Sky Sports commentator saying to me when I was 22 he said to me the one thing you've got to do is try and play as much football as you can because you will that's the downside of the job and actually you'll miss that more than anything if you love playing football and I had I played a little bit of semi-pro and, and just but just love playing I played every weekend played Saturday Sunday when I was a, a teenager and, and things and, and trained in the week when I was at university and you just there's something about the joy of it isn't it and then sometimes yeah. it's great that you've retained that because I think in a professional game you can lose it because you get judged by people you get selected you get jaded sometimes mm. by your interactions but it's great that you've kept just that that joy of just kicking a ball's fun i do it in the back garden against the wall it's it's something about yeah. it isn't it yeah yeah i did it last summer on my own i was out i did a couple of videos for a couple of different charities where you do 
keep the ball up so many times and I feel miserably of course but <laughs> and you've got to keep the ball up so many times for charity and if they can and then they'd guess you know people would pledge a fiver or a tenner to the whichever charity it would be and and they would say well he's you keep it up 10 times three times 25 times 100 times sort of thing so stuff like that that I still enjoy mm. um I'd never I'd never lose that and the other thing Ed is that you've got to play as long as you can that's mm. the thing that as long as you can you need to play because as soon as you stop and i did i mean 12 did you play 38 were you when you finished something like that looking yeah, at it yeah i was i was 30, 38 was my last professional game um and then i went into oh, a year or two off went into management for a bit and didn't really keep fit at all and it mm. wasn't till i came out of that and it was about 12 12 years ago um, that I thought, right, I need to get back into the fitness thing and kick the ball about. And it was in Lytham St. Anne's where I lived. The, the guys just said, come along for a kick about. And the first thing you think about, Ed, it's mad, was I wonder if I'll still be the same. I wonder if I'll let myself yeah. down. I wonder yeah. if I'll embarrass myself. I wonder if... And it's, But as soon as you get back into it, yeah, it's like riding a bike. You're just straight onto it and away you go. Do you, you find know, um, do, your legs obviously is a thing with that recovery from yeah. sprints and things like that? But is it also like things? This sounds strange, but I talked about my friends are a similar age to me, turning forty uh, later this year. That, that it's sort of hand-eye coordination. You haven't played sport for a while. It's like your eyes don't pick up the ball as quickly. Like if you're playing tennis or football or whatever it might be. Did you notice that as you went back to it that I had to sort of tune in a little bit? Yeah, I mean, even even now for the time that I've been off and not kicked a ball about, and so you're, it's over a year that yeah. I've not been in a game then when I get back and start playing games on a regular basis, the eye, to, the, as you mentioned there, the eye to, 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 to foot contact um, will come back into play mm. and your judgment, get, your judgment judgment gets better. So it's just, it's just like anything. It's just mm. like going back, riding a bike, as I said, or, or jumping in a car for the first time for, for so long. You know, it might be a first couple of minutes, might be a bit, but then away you go and that's it. I think where you go. Yeah, I think that, that hand-eye thing is important, though, isn't it, as we get older? Because we've talked, you know, I, I go jogging. I've been jogging Monday and Wednesday and Friday. And, and in the mornings, I think it, it gets easier to do it first thing than, than anything else. But you, you get huff and puff around. I don't really enjoy just the sort of monotony of, of that. But I know I have to do it. But I think what sport does, it makes you exercise. But it also, it's important to keep that hand-eye thing as you get older, isn't it? Because when you're a kid, you're doing loads of different things in the playground, playing games, catching. But whereas as you get older, if you're just jogging or just cycling, you're not keeping that sort of sharpness about you, are you? I don't think, which is a, which is a no. part of it. Yeah, no. So that's a the jogging and the cycling, which I do, is just a general fitness. Mm. It's just ticking over, getting your heart rate up, you know, um, and not not real CV as such, unless which then again I do. I mean, I, I do gauge and manage the the times and mm. the output that I that I give, especially when I'm on the bike more than when I'm cycling when I'm on jogging. Yeah, because um, you get that's that's my fitness work, um, but you do miss the other side of it. Yeah, um, and there's not just it's not just controlling a football when it comes to it's it's about various different things about you know judging the flight of the ball as well as ball going over your head is it going to run out before the opposition gets there if you are you in the right position there's loads of different things. Mm. Yeah, turning, into, different things. turning, twisting, sort of sideways movement. Yeah, sorts of things, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, when you're cycling anyway, you, you, your body gets used to that sort of um, exercise. Mm. Whereas if you're jogging, then your body really does know <laughs> you've, you've been exercising. 
Yeah, joint joints as well, jogging, isn't it? Try and jog on soft ground, I think is key sometimes. Yeah, I mean, with where I am up here, it's not um, easy to find that um, you're better going away in the car and then leaving the car, then going for the jog in, in certain areas rather than um, just jogging the streets mm. and the pavements and, and, and the roads sort of thing. Um, yeah. And, but a bit, it's a bit quieter up in the northeast of Scotland as well, so you can, you can find plenty of places. When you went back to getting fit after that period away, did you feel like it was sort of good for your mental health as well, uplifting to, to keep in good condition? Because I think that sometimes people don't realise is that when you get into a sort of a gradual absence of physical health, it can affect your sort of mindset and mood, can't it? And you don't notice it coming sometimes. Yeah, well, I went through some turbulent times in my, in my personal life. Um, yes. I lost my wife, Denise, and um, it was after then that because I was a carer up for the for the years leading up to just prior to her death and mm. um and your kids that was after yeah the, the four kids the kids were the, the children were 17 and 18 and, and 10 and 11 um when denise died so wow there was a period there that i did all the wrong things ed as well as you know the drinking the gambling you know that all mm. that was part of this you know what I'd done, what, and done hurting, wrong. When you're hurting, yeah, you sort of turn to, to, to sort of blanket the pain, don't you? To the yeah. Hey, there's not there's no handbook uh, as to what you've got to do to make things right and to keep things right. You do what you you do, and it's your escapism as well as. Mm. Um, but no, I, I felt it was I got a knock on the door. It was Brian O'Neill, ex teammate of mine for Scotland. Brian O'Neill said one night, he said, "Come on, big man, get let's get out and have a kick about." And I'm like. <laughs> I really was, I really was concerned about thinking, am I going to be anything like, and I've got to, you know, I don't want to let anybody down and stuff like that. Um, yeah. But it's for you, you, for you though, it, isn't it? It's for, for you to play at that point. You're not, you're not trying to impress anyone. It's just for you to, to enjoy that football. It, but I didn't really think about that. And mm. I was just thinking about, again, going back to being in a team environment, part of the team, don't, don't let the team down. Not realising the level that was going to get back into it. But as soon as I was into it, that was me away again. And then the fitness thing took over. I get, uh, took over. And there's a lot of ex-players. A lot of ex-players um, have done since they finished the game. They feel that it's... And longevity of your life as well. You know, extending that, keeping fit. Um, yeah, we can all... I mean, people still t talk about um, obesity, eating too much, drinking too much, mm. not keeping fit. Well, I don't drink now. Um, I don't, I don't, I'm not obese. I don't eat. I mean, my partner says I don't eat enough. <laughs> You're very slim. You're very slim, but, but yeah. Well, um, I've lost probably weight in relation to when I played. But then when your, your output, your physical output is so high when mm. you play, you've got, to, you've got to refuel and everything. Need more muscle, no, muscle in those days at centre half. You need, needed a bit of weight to not get pushed. You needed, you needed that, yeah. You did, you did. And I mean, these days, look at the players these days, Ed. Um, Tiny, the machine. Mm. The, well, but they're machines, aren't they? They're mm. all machines, every one of them. Mm. You know, I mean, um, the other day, my son Callum, last week, he was saying that he had a really uh, heavy day on the Tuesday, training with Aberdeen. And he said, I did 9K in a training Ooh. session. 9K uh, on a Tuesday. Sprinting. Before a game on yeah. a Saturday. Yeah. Well, yeah, sprinting, uh, checking, jogging, everything. Three quarter yeah. pace, fat, fat like, and everything's in there. Everything what, what, what's in his there. physique like then? Is he is, is he really skinny? Or because that seems to be the case in a lot of the footballers now. 
He's he's six foot as Callum. He's good. He uh, unfortunately he did his, he did his ACL twice already oh, in his career. Yeah, when he was sixteen and uh, fifteen, and when he was seventeen. Wow. So he's missed he's missed three years of his development. He's twenty three, going on twenty one. Really, when I look at him when he plays, so he's yes. he's shy. He's shy of of uh, development and experience, but. He's carving out the career for himself. And I said this to him, and, he, and he's got he's really got the bit between his teeth now because mm. having sustained the two injuries that he did, he really did struggle at one point quit, and on the verge of saying, listen, I'll just go into something else in life and play part-time football or whatever. Mm. And I said, well, no, let's see how far you go injury-wise and you, if you can sustain the level um, of what you feel you need to become a player, yeah. Then it's a great life. Yeah, it's a great life, and he's he has sustained that, and he's okay. He's got a loan from St Johnston to Aberdeen, um, and he's already scored a goal. But he, it's 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 a it's a period at this minute in time. Tough, tough time, Aberdeen. Aberdeen at the moment just uh, manages yeah. left, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, and there's there's a lot of different things not right. At the football club, um, well, not so much at the football club, but team-wise, I would say, playing-wise, um, when you look at them. Um, but And there's been changes. Uh, Derek's um, left, Derek McInnes, an ex-teammate of mine at Glasgow Rangers. Oh, wow, he's yeah. left. Um, so Callum's, you know, he's, he's there from now to the end of the season. And I said, just just put a stamp, put a mark on you, on you being there. Um, that's all you can what? do. What, and what, then he's, what's the relationship like with with you and him in terms of when when he's coming through? Because I think of there's obviously sports people that, that I think about boxers, Chris Eubank, there's Chris Eubank Junior. Yeah, there's yes. Nigel Ben's son Connor is making his way. There's obviously Tom Ince, Paul Ince's son, Devonte Cole is up in Scotland now, isn't he playing? And yeah. So I wonder what the dynamic is like because you don't want to push them, do you? Because you don't want to alienate them. It's a difficult way of of, of supporting them, making them feel good about themselves, but but not yeah. putting too much pressure on them. It's a tough balance, I suppose, that I'd imagine. It is a balance. Um, the one thing is that Callum's his biggest critic and I am Callum's biggest critic. Yeah. Um, so when you watch the games, and I watch every game that he plays, um, the first thing I will say to him wouldn't be, you did well with that um, um, support for the goal. Um or you've done well for the goal, it'll be whatever the negative side of the game was, that's the first thing he'll get out with. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but does he, yeah. how does he take that? Does he filter that okay, you being his dad? Does he, does he, does yeah, he, he knows know where it's I coming know. from? Yeah, he knows that I know. And, and he knows that whatever I say to him, being father to son, is that it's, I'm not going to cheat myself to cheat him. I'm going yeah. re- to be brutally honest in my assessment of him and his performance. Yeah. And, and he, he knows, knows, he knows he, he's happy that you love him and trust him so that he, he kind of has that absolutely. basis from there. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. You won't get that from an agent, Ed. No. You won't get that from an agent. I mean, I have looked after, I look after Callum and I will look after Callum. Um, and he knows that even throughout instances in his career already that he wouldn't have gotten from an agent mm. what I've given to him at, you don't you don't ring an agent at three o'clock in the morning. You don't ring an agent. You don't ring an agent at twelve o'clock at night. Well, an agent hasn't played either, has they? Typically, so that's Listen, and I'm not categorising all the agents as being like that. There are agents who you could ring at eleven o'clock at night and twelve at three o'clock in the morning. But mm. um, 
unfortunately, I know 90% of the agents wouldn't accommodate that. Yeah. And, that, and that's not being, but I'm a father. I am, you know, your children are the most important things in your life. Mm. So you want to make sure that they have every opportunity and the best opportunity. But at the same time, what he's going through, Callum, then he's going to get it straight from the horse's mouth as to exactly what I think. Mm. And listen, I can be wrong. I can be wrong as well, Ed. You know, I'm not, I'm yeah. not always right, but I'd like to think that I've got an idea um, as to what I'm talking about. What, what, what's your, what were you, I think you do. <laughs> I think you do, to be fair. Look at your CV. But, um, and, and, and listen to you talk as well about it and how you, how you explain it, I think, is, is really interesting. But what do you say to Callum? Is it all in on football when he, when he said he had doubts or do you advise him to, to look at what he might do afterwards? Does he think about that or is it all in for now and then you maybe re-educate yourself when you come out of it and, and training something else if you, even when football ends? How, how do you approach that yeah. conversation? Yeah, no, I, th- no, I think throughout the, the period where he had the serious injuries, mm. there were periods where you, you uh, he, because he's got to filter back to me how he feels, especially with the injury. Mm. Um if it's going to be okay or not. And then when you find that everything is okay, um, then you you make sure that you, he channels everything into that, everything into that and nothing more. Because when you're a professional at that level, you've got to be that. You've got to be that. Yeah. You've got to, you can't be half and half head. Yeah, you know what I mean. You, you can't be got. Well, you can't be studying for yeah. a teacher training course in the afternoon as well. You know, whatever it might be. I don't know. You have to be. Yeah. Football. Yeah. You've, you've, you're, yeah. You're, in, you're in. You're in. You're in that, and nothing else. Um, it's as simple as that. You know. You, you, if you got and having the having had the opportunity after an injury is obviously great to 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 have had that chance and everything else. But he's he's okay. He's come out of that. And then what you what I've seen at Callum, my Callum, for example, he has grabbed that with two hands. Mm. And he's going to continue doing that until he's for for the rest of his career. Yeah, he's going is to it, do that. This is his career now. This is his life until he gets to the age where we all come to that we can't play at the top level. Yeah, it's a big it's a big thing. I mean, big thing you have to talk about in life with your kids, I suppose, is a judgment of other people and how they impact your progress. Because say working in broadcasting, yes. I've had editors who think you're a great presenter, others who don't, and actually they can. Mm-hmm. That it's that subjective element to it. And people say to me, sport's not subjective. Or maybe 100 metres sprinting isn't subjective. You can, you know, here's my time for 100 metres. But I think team mm. sports, where you select people are, how do you approach those it's conversations? There'll, there'll be managers who like him and managers who don't like him. And I suppose he has, yeah. to, he has to go through that evaluation of himself, doesn't he? When, when it, you can't always trust what the manager's saying to you, unless it's a factual thing he's relaying to you. It, it can be difficult because for some reason, some people like you and some people don't. Yeah, and, and that's... That's what it comes to comes back it comes back to that and life in general. Mm. Ed, is that when people talk about facts, then that is it. It's in, it's in, it's in black and it's black and white, and that's exactly how it is. When people are subjective, you've got to try and work out why, but not so much why, but the reasoning for them giving their opinion. Yeah, and then you use their opinion to your benefit yourself, and then but then they're not always right. You know, mm. you've just said you've just said yourself you've had you've had people higher above you who would judge you yeah good or not good mm. or me i mean i've had coaches in my career and my time as a player who no not good enough but mm. then you go and prove them that you are yeah and then and, and you become successful you can't get too the high ones, or too the, low can you that seems to be a, a thread that people say it's a cliche but actually i think it's really true in life 
Yeah, I mean, the, the one thing that does come as a professional footballer and any professional sportsman is that there comes a time where you can't continue to do it at that level consistently because of your age, because yeah. of the body, because of the body not being able to keep. And the one time, it's a good story I always tell everybody, was that I'd been injured at Bolton Wanderers mm. and I was ready, I was fit, ready to get back in the team. We just got promoted at Bolton to the Premiership. Wow. And like uh, Sam, Allardyce. Man, Sam Allardyce, Sam says, big man, a quick chat, say, yeah. He said, well, in fact, he said, just have your lunch and come and see me after lunch. He said, right, okay. Knocked on the door, right, come in, sit down. <clears throat> Sam says to me, he said, right, how do you think you're doing? I said, yeah, I'm fine. He said, you look good. He said, you look good in training, you're back, you're fit. He said, yeah. Um, but he says, well, unfortunately, big man, he said, you're finished. Wow. Wow. And, I, and I'm sat there and I'm thinking, did he just... Did he just say that? And I said, what do you mean? He said, Colin, unfortunately, at this level, you are finished. He said, um, and, you know, you've, you've got it. So it's not good to hear. It's not nice to hear. Mm. But it happens to us all. It has happened to us all. Was that his opinion or was that based on data he had about sprints and recovery? Well, and well like that, yeah. The, Sam, the, we didn't really have that. At that time, yeah, I know he was you're talking two, 2001, 20 years ago. We didn't really have that, but he was one of the one, the pioneers of anything that was going to help the team better, whether it was stats or physical or um, food, anything, anything to do with you know the the, the psychology and everything else. Mm. Sam was into that, um, and he was right, and mm. he he was right. Because I knew myself that if I was to play on the Saturday and I get to 60, 60, 70 minutes, then I'm going to have to work, not run as much, pick up my, my position is going to be absolutely spot on in order to, to oppose the striker. But then what would happen was that because my position, and I didn't have to run as much, just as, a, as an example, I would yeah. drop off maybe a metre or two metres. Yeah, which then meant that my my colleague, whoever it was, or my foot and the fullbacks, whoever they were, um, Cutler, yeah, had dropped back as well. They would drop back as well with me, which then meant central midfielder, the defending central midfielder, he would have to drop back. Which uh, then those gaps appear, and then because the gaps appearing, better yeah. teams would exploit it, mm. and it had an effect on the team. And he's seen this. Uh, Sam seen this, but of course, when I left, when I got released and and assigned for Blackpool, yeah, for a, for a few months, then the level was different, and the players you played against weren't as good. No, and I could accommodate that. Well, the so expectation team, you didn't have to move as much. Line wasn't going no. back as quickly and things like that. It was more of a fixed fixed position. Much more with less physical output. Mm. So because of that, then I could I could elongate my lifespan as a professional footballer at a lower level. Um, and of course, if he, I think it's at Mark Noble. Mark Noble yeah. just today or yesterday, he said he's finished. He's, he's, he's 34. He signed one more, con- one more year of a contract at West Ham and he's yeah. retiring. And yeah. <clears throat> I wonder maybe if in 10 years' time, when he's 45, he might say, you know what? I wish I'd kept playing uh, even at a lower level. Yes, he might. Yeah. He might, I remember... You know, I tell you what, I remember um, 
players because of my age. I remember, you know, people like Ian Rush. I don't remember vintage Ian Rush. I remember the sort of tail end of Ian Rush's career when he was finding it hard to score. Do you remember he went to Leeds United? Not that yes. that blemishes his legend in any way in mm. my mind, in a sense, because I know the history. I've looked at the tapes and things like that. But it, it it's interesting. I think maybe it's worse for strikers. I don't know if you agree with that, that perhaps you, you become more, because you look more impotent as you get older, whereas... I think maybe for defenders, it's it's easy to go down the levels. I'm not sure. It's an interesting thought, isn't it? Because if you can't score where you can score bags of gold, it must be a strange experience. That's the thing about strikers generally is your 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 stats, your goals. If the older you get, you can't. And the other thing, Ed, is that I've got to mention throughout the development or the or the, the the game changing is. You know, you hear managers and coaches going about minutes. Players need minutes. We need he needs, and he can't play too many minutes. And he can't. So it's somewhere out, somewhere out there, there must be a graph. There must be a graph where you can play too many minutes, too yeah. much minutes. Well, some, some players they'll still throw in all the that. time, won't they? The, the Pep Guardiola <coughs> will still play De Bruyne when he can play him, and you know, there's still key players yeah. that, that get thrown in all the time. Now, Bruno Fernandez <laughs> for my team, Man United. You know, we never Bruno never has a rest really, and if he does, we we bring him on. Well, only because of the impact I think he's had. Mm. And also talking about Kevin De Bruyne, only because of what he means to the to the team. Mm. I mean, the game at the weekend, he was criticised, Kevin De Bruyne, for having a, a bad game, a really Off bad game. game. Yeah. I'm like, well, hold on a minute, he's had an average game. Yeah. yeah. He's had a bad game. And he said one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> he said one. He said, yeah. he, said a bit, he said a few injuries and injury issues and everyone else. But when you're watching City... And you're listening to Graham Souness and Jamie Redden, and they're talking about the best midfielder in the world. Mm. And they're talking about this guy is just someone else. So it, so it goes from that to having a bad, bad, a really bad game, which is not a really bad game. It's an average game. Fernandes has been a breath of fresh air for Man United. Yeah. You know, he really has. And, yeah. and what he's done. And yeah, you can talk about penalties and everything else. And listen, Ed, on social media, Twitter and Facebook, and you've got all these different mm. organisations, Sports World and Bench Warmers and all that, Throwing things, it's just bait. I mean, it's just mm. bait to get people. And I bite. I'm a biter. <laughs> I'm a biter. Fernandes yeah. is better than De Bruyne. I'm like, hold on a minute. Hold on. Yeah, so, well, there's all that go- very different, very different players, aren't they? It's- of course they are. Of course they are. But it's yeah, you, you've got to listen. If you've got that bit, if you've got that thing in you, that edge in you in the game, talking about football, and that gets thrown out, and I hope the day doesn't come that I go, ah, I can't be bothered biting. Yeah. Because then then you'll have lost the love yeah, of the, the you would have is, lost the love. Yeah, it's, it's like it's like sparring. I think you have to treat it like sparring, like it's not a real, you know, don't take it too seriously. But yeah, it's good good to have a debate sometimes and, and, and oh yeah. If out. it's given in the right time of the day, in the right the right situation, and you've got a bit of time to 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 spend on Twitter or Facebook or whatever it is, then that's what I would do. Yeah. But I would still come back to it, Ed later that day to find out if MD's had a chip at me or whatever, which is fine. I've not got a problem with that. Um, but no, it's, 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 you know, we're talking about Kevin De Bruyne and Fernandes and, yeah. and these players. And, you know, it's very easy with social media, of course, these days to just yeah. to be very criti- critical, I think, of such worldly talents. Well, well, being a Manchester United fan, people have likened Bruno Fernandes to Eric Cantona. Of course, you would have played against it. The difference Eric, for me, yes. obviously, is, is that what Eric was for, for our club at the time was a catalyst for a success that we hadn't had for so long. And there was something about him. Mm. He really delivered. Maybe not 
I remember he scored a good header against you at Blackburn, but maybe not against Blackburn actually as much as I think about it, but he, he certainly did in, against Arsenal. I remember he's always scoring against Arsenal. But he was just the big games, the FA Cup final in 96. It seemed that he delivered. I suppose that's the question mark for, for Bruno, isn't it? What, what are your thoughts of, of playing against Cantona? What he did for the club, but the league in a way, didn't he? Because he glamorised the, the league at that time. Yeah, well, as you've mentioned that word, the catalyst. He was the one that really, and he was a, didn't have any pace about him. He didn't, he didn't, wasn't short of pace, don't get me wrong. <clears throat> he, he really did seem to be a step in front of a lot of the opposition that he played against. That one, that one step in front where reading the game. Um, and he was the type of player that would try in a match something that you would try when you play five a sides, mate. <laughs> and that's, that's, a, that's, that's where you really gauge the quality, the level of the footballer. Um, yeah. Don't get me wrong, he had downsides to his game that everybody knows about. Um, yeah, did, you wind, did you try and wind him up? Was that part of the process? Well, unfortunately, I had a sad story. I had, there's only two players spat on me in my career. Hmm. And he was one of them. Um, oh, man. But... And yeah, and people can take it that way they want. But we were we were at home at Ewood Park, and um, I got taken out of my comfort zone, out of the penalty box area, right down the middle of the pitch. And I was in the corner. I think it was against Andy Cole. And mm. United were two 0 up, and I I upended Andy Cole, and I more or less just took him out. And I thought, because I because I'm thinking I'm out of my comfort zone. It's quick, quick I've had enough. Cole. Yeah, Cole is a great striker, magnificent striker, and. I just thought I did enough on that at that given time, that point. I think it's 10, 15 minutes to go. We weren't going to get back in the team. And I just thought, right, I'm going to take a yellow here for the team. Well, not for the team. It was just a stupid yellow. I'm going to take a yellow. I've taken him out. The minute I've got myself off the deck, the referee's there handing me the yellow card. When I turn around, Canton is there in my face. Mm. And he did what he did. And I'm like, Phew. so that, that was, but <clears throat> Eric was renowned for doing crazy things. Yeah. You know he's 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 renowned for that. You, so, I mean, you wouldn't. Um, I mean, I think about a team and my, my one of my childhood heroes just for his ferocity, but it, it, the way he controlled the ball more than anything was Mark Hughes, and he was in that team as well before before Andy Cole. Mm. Obviously, they they sort of switched over, but he was a, a very physical player as well. I just wonder whether those players how they'd be able to stay on the the pitch in the modern, modern era. Yeah, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. You wouldn't really. I mean, you, even now, Ed, you talk, you look at the tackle and how you tackle, the art of tackling, mm. and. You know, now you're not allowed to go and win a game, win a ball if you're going to go through the opposition after you win the ball. Mm. When in my day, if you win the ball yeah. and you end up going through the opposition, okay. then that's okay. That was okay. That was part and parcel. And, but to be fair, in my day, there weren't a lot of... You could count on one hand or two hands the amount of serious injuries... Mm. In a ten-year period where I thought, you know, that's that's nasty. If we we should we should adjust the rule, the laws, not the rules, the laws of the game, to prevent or help the opposition and protect yeah. them. And it's gone. The art of tackling is gone do, do you because of that. Because of that. Do you think the Premier League more so than the rest? That's why I sometimes watch because I go down and watch my local club, Cheltenham Town, in League Two. And actually, yeah. it's a lot more like the game I remember growing up in in lots of ways in terms of the physicality. Not, you know, it's not extreme tackling, but it's certainly there's a lot more contact. It, it feels like, and I just wonder if the Premier League, in a way, VAR is one thing, but it's just the interpretation of the law seems very different in the Premier League than it is in the Championship, League One and Two. Well, that'll be because of VAR. Yeah, because the the, the, the officials know. 
that they've got to get it right. And they've got, because they're all mic'd up and they've got earpieces and everything else. They'll know that some of the, some of the, some of the things that's looked upon on VAR, um, as far as tackles, et cetera, and is that a possible red, mm. you know, that's through the earpiece as soon as it happens. Mm. Because whoever's at Stockley Park could be like, have a look at this one. This is serious, yeah. this one. Or, but, nah, it's okay. They'll, 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 get, they'll get an incline yeah. right away, right away as to how serious that situation we, we is. Want, but they've got to do it because they're there. We want some contact, don't we, though? That's the thing. I think we do. We don't want people to be completely anodyne where you can't tackle. Yeah, well, you can't tackle at the minute, Ed. Mm. You, can't, you can't tackle properly at this minute in time. Yeah. Um, so, not, so, not for me. Something you just mentioned actually about what Cantona did and, and, and the things he tried that people were doing five sides. I think that's gone out of the game a little bit, hasn't it? Because of, to a certain extent, the obsession with possession, not giving the ball away. I know maybe David De Silva had some, had a few flicks when he was at Manchester City, but I'm thinking about Cantona, Letizia, the sort of maverick, mercurial players. You have to be, yeah. of your era, you had to accept they're going to give the ball away maybe half the time to get the moments mm. of magic, didn't you? Do you think that's gone out of the game? Is it, is it safe in a sense now? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the one player that I would say that comes straight to mind at this moment in time would be uh, Grealish at Villa. Yes, yes, yeah. Now, he, 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 he's, one, he's one that would, he's got, who has the ability, and he could do exactly, I mean, I can remember, I think, just right off the top of my head, England, Belgium, and Belgium. I think England lost 2-0. But a left, left back position. Ball gets played out, played to Grealish. I think he flicks it with the outside of his right ankle and flicks it over his opposition. I can't remember who it was. Gets yeah. it the other side. A bit of Gaza-esque. I'll mention 96. Oh, a bit of Gaza-esque yeah. on me, Ed. So, but he's that. You're gonna. That's a player that's more than capable of doing it. Yeah. So you've got to know the players you're playing against who are capable of doing it. But, well, yeah, that's a, that's a bravery as well, isn't it? To do that. That is, a, you know, to be that like that, to have that mindset. Well, it's bravery, but it's also belief in your own ability. Mm. You know, he, he knows that, and you're talking right at the top of the tree here. You're talking right at the top of the level of football, mm. uh, international football and, and Grealish. But he, and he's, he's then shows that anything can happen with him when he gets the ball. So your opposition who are playing against them would think if they do their, their due diligence and the recce on him and work out psychologically how he's going to be, but, you know, physically, he's a strong boy. He's a good lad. He's got a good body on him. Mm. But certainly, as far as technique is concerned, that's he's capable of that. Yeah. People say you watch him live that he really travels quickly with the ball as well at his feet. Maybe a bit like, yes. like Ryan Giggs, who was, people say was almost quicker with the ball than, than without it, which is, which is interesting. Yeah. You mentioned that game with, with Gazza at Euro 96, because that was on last summer, actually. And it's funny because I realised that yeah. Gazza was having a bit of a poor game before. before he was getting point. taken off, Ed. He was getting yeah. substituted. Yeah, he was. And that's a, that, what do you because because obviously you had a, a distinguished Scotland career, but I suppose people will often remember for for Gaza for lobbing the ball over you and, and volleying it home. What do you remember about that sequence of of play? Because it was, it, I guess it was. Hard we were still, yeah, we were still picking ourselves up from the penalty miss. Yeah, and I mean, the problem, and even to this day, it's nothing to do with football. But Yuri Geller has got a lot of responsibility. Oh yeah, on 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 his. Um, on his, you know, when, when he talks about, he's taking responsibility for that because there was a headline in the paper the day after. Yuri Geller had, whatever he does with the world or out the, the spiritual world, had moved the ball prior to Gary McAllister taking the penalty. 
yeah. and I've never read so much. I can't even swear on here, but I can't. I've never met yeah. so much rubbish in my life, yeah. and I'm thinking, what is he on about? Um, but we were still recovering from that, and literally, it was just seconds after, wasn't it? We were still mm. shell shocked because I didn't even watch. I was, I didn't even watch the penalty. I turned yeah. my back on the penalty, and when when the roar went up, you knew that we hadn't scored. That's what we weren't looking for. It was a roar of I wasn't I wasn't look I wasn't waiting for a, a massive roar. That's the one thing I wasn't waiting for. Yeah. And that's what I got because the penalty was missed. Um but we didn't we'd done okay. We came out at half time. And I think on the balance of play, the game, I think is is if somebody's honest enough that's seen the game, they probably said, you know, a draw would have been a bit right. But in the end you get beat 2-0. Um Alan Shearer does what he always does, score. Yeah, there must be. What was that like playing against him after all those years was, with him? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think Al had put in the local paper and Blackburn the Telegraph that he was going to come back with European Euro winners medal and show me that. And you, listen, and you know as well as I do, Ed, that people can misconstrue. Well, not, yeah. not much misconstrue, but they can twist things. What you say, sensation. And, that, and, and it made it made it made it made a headline, and it was a good headline, and everything else. And it, yeah, I I get that. Um, but even in the in the game, I think he. Yeah, he was a bit late on me. He took a yellow card for it. Mm. Al, um, he was late on me, and he's left his mark. Um, and listen, it's being professional, Ed. It's it's all about being professional yeah. at that time. And there's nothing about there's nothing going through my head. Certainly, it certainly wouldn't have been Alan's either. About that's my my teammate, my, my domestic club, my club teammate. That you know, I'll go easy. I'll not. You know, it doesn't matter about stuff yeah. like that. It's the same. If anything, if anything, it's Keep going. It go even harder. It's not. It was. It was. It's not unusual you know? for. It wasn't unusual for Scotland to be in major tournaments. Though. They're back. Obviously, Euro twenty twenty coming up. But um, yeah. it, what what's happened with Scottish football? Do you think? Because when I was growing up, obviously there was the, the legendary figures you mentioned: Souness, Doug Leash. Mm. Before that, Dennis Law. Um, some powerful names, weren't there? And obviously, we yeah. had Darren Fletcher at Manchester United come through, and Brian McClare before that as well. But okay, Kevin, yeah. Kevin Gallagher, you had at, at Blackburn. But it seems like there's been a. <laughs> And I know it's the, maybe the changing shape of the Premier League in terms of the, the sort of world's best talent coming. It's not just a British British league anymore, but you know, not not in the slightest. But what do you mm. think was the change for for Scotland? Because it's been a long time since '98, isn't it, to get to a major tournament? Well, I mean, there's various. You could look at the, so many different reasons. Whether it's a support from the government, whether it's a support from the the Scottish Football Association, as well as throughout supporting grassroots football. Yeah, whether it's anything like that. I mean, I think in the mid or just around the, the 1990 mark or 85, 90, they did away with school football. Really? So, yeah. Wow. And this was an interview. David Tanner was the one that highlighted it, along with a couple of ex-players who mentioned that the school football had been taken away. And really because school football, or at that time, as I remember as well as, you may you might have had the the history teacher or the maths teacher. Yeah, would take the team because not the it PE was extra yeah. extra. Yeah. No, it wasn't the PE teacher. It was extra curriculum, but unpaid for. Mm. And they probably thought to themselves, you know what? Why am I doing this? I've got other things to do in life. And then it got to a stage where you couldn't even get games because you couldn't get other schools to have a team involved, and that was a downfall of the development from a controlled environment at that time. 
Um, okay, it wasn't very often, but it was still a control environment, team game, everything else. What, what I mean, you played I, for the I, first I, time, wasn't it? That's where most of it was. Well, it, it was. And, and even, the, even where I come from in Keith, where I'm sat now, I had to create a football team through, with, with my dad to put in the boys' league. Mm. And we were like an under 10, an under 11, under 9 even team. But we had to play against under 12s. Well, edit that. We're getting Big beat 15 20 yeah. now. We're getting beat yeah. 15 20 now. But we're getting a game of football. Yeah. We're getting involved and we're having a game of football. And then by the time we are under 13s, under 14s, and we're playing under 10s, we're beating them 10 15 now. Mm. You've, I mean, on top of that, you've got a small, it's a, it's a, it's a small populated area. You don't have a lot of kids around and you, you're not going to get an under nines league, under 10s, under 11s, because you don't have the volume of children or the volume of players around mm. to create the teams in order to create a league sort of thing. So it was just a game of footy in them days, but there were there were different reasons. Um, and of course, so you, you, in UK football, you're allowed to bring as many foreign players in as well as. Mm. I wouldn't say it's stemmed or, 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 or blocked the development of the, the Scottish player. Um, we've also got Scottish managers um, <laughs> that yeah. I'll not mention. Well, Scottish managers, I mean, managers that manage Scotland. I wouldn't say Scottish managers, because no. there was a German one and, and a German one we had, Bertie Vokes, who was, mm. wasn't very good. Um, but th- throughout that period, we, we struggled. I mean, Alex McLeish and Walter Smith were the two managers, I'd say, who came close to us again on the verge of maybe qualifying. Yeah, but twenty years—twenty years not qualifying for anything is a long time. Yeah, long and, co- time. and I'm co- glad about co- that. It has consequences, doesn't it? Coefficients and all that—it's it's complicated yes. sort of system the way, it, yes. the way it works. And hopefully, with you know Rangers doing quite well in Europe this season, there's a sense there may be an automatic Champions League place coming up for Scottish players, which would be good for the Scottish team anyway. I know they've got a, a variety of international players playing for for Rangers and Celtic these days as well. When you yeah. when you look at your career, what were the key moments? Because you mentioned having people who who like you and, and don't like you. Was it was it just signing for Blackburn in 91? Because you'd been around for a while before that, hadn't you? played two years at Man City. You'd you'd uh, played at Blackburn before that. I always remember you because uh, being a kid loving Ryan Giggs, he was supposed to have scored his first goal against you, wasn't it? But I think right. he, he went down I no goal it. against you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I scored it. Yeah, so he can't have that. Giggs, no. he can't have that. No, he um, can't, have, can't have that one in the derby. But um, but you went to Blackburn, but they were second, were they what was then second division team below the top, top flight? Yeah, it was the last season of the first division, second division, third division, fourth division. Yeah. Um, Leeds won the league, I think, the, the final um, yes. division one award. And I had been at Blackburn for three years and I left in 89. Sorry, two and a half years, 87. I left in 89 um, to go to Man City, where I had two great seasons. And when I came back, uh, Kenny Douglish was manager. Yeah. I still lived in Blackburn. Ed, I didn't. I when I when I signed for Man City, I didn't move house, so I, mm. so I commuted every day to City. Um, enjoyed my time, had a magnificent time at Man City. I mean, I got there; they were third bottom. I think when I left, they were third top. Yeah, they were top top five um, team, weren't they around that yeah, time? Yeah, they were third top. Um, made great strides under Howard Kendall and Peter Reid, and then really just felt I didn't. I mean, a good friend of Peter's now, a real good friend of Peter's now. Um, but at the time, he just felt that he wanted to bring in somebody with a bit of pace, different type of centre-back from me. So like he spent Keith, $2 million. Keith Curl, was it? Keith Curl, yeah. yeah. Spent $2 million on Keith Curl, brought him from Wimbledon, played him alongside Steve Redmond. <clears throat> mm. um, and, of course, three and two doesn't go. He, he wants to go back to 4-4-2. Two, four, four, two. 
Yeah. Whereas Howard Kendall played with the three at the back. There was Steve Redman, myself, and then behind me and Stevie was Alan Harper, who okay. who'd sign from yeah. Everton. And that was that was a great platform for the club moving forward, the team moving forward. Did Niall um, Quinn up front at that point? Did you? Quinney played up. Yeah. 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 Clive Allen. Um, oh yeah. Uh, Ian Ian Brightwell, Andy Hinchcliffe, Mark Ward yeah. on the right. Mm. Um, we had some really we had a good we, we were a team. That's yeah. what we were. It's funny, it's funny um, they say that they had two centre halves and you had to go because you think in this day and age teams have four or five centre halves, don't they? And I know. Them. Yeah. I know. It's great. It's crazy. But and then and more or less, I think Peter as well thought I could get my money back here on Colin and um, reinvest that in something else. And, that, and so I went for three quarters of a million from Blackburn to City in eighty seven, mm. and then I came back in eighty nine for the same fee. All right. <clears throat> um, so yeah. In 1991, you went to Blackburn, is that right? Yeah. Sorry, 91. Yeah. Sorry, 90, sorry, 89, I went to City for 750. And 91, I came back and I was talking about Black, going to Blackburn and leaving Blackburn to City. Um, yeah, in 91. And then I got there and Blackburn, we were more or less strange, signing a player every week. Yeah. Uh, Kenny, Kenny was a manager, uh, Jack Walker. Was the investor the backer? Um, what did that? What did that time feel like? Did it feel like you were going somewhere? You, the sky was yeah. the limit. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Because then at the back end of that season, that was the first season of the Premiership. Yes, and all the good things that's happened since. You know, for the last twenty, um, well, thirty years. You got been... you only got through the playoffs, didn't you? But then suddenly you were a yeah. top five team. Yeah, we we we, we fell away a little bit with a couple of poor results, um, but we got to the playoff final and. On the day of the playoff final against Leicester at Wembley, we we did deserve it. We won one 0 It was a I don't know if it was a dubious penalty or not. I still say some people say if you're a Leicester fan, you might say it's a dubious penalty. <clears throat> it was a penalty, and nevertheless, we won the game one 0 And then we're in the first season of the new Premiership, and the first time in a long, long time we've been in, in the top division. And Alan Shearer was on fire, wasn't he, before he got injured? He was. Unreal. Yeah, we signed. I mean, it was strange as well because we signed Alan uh, from Southampton, and the real catalyst for us, David Speedy, throughout all that promotion campaign and getting this, and even when he got brought down in the penalty at Wembley, and Mickey Newell took the penalty. We he was he was like the king of Blackburn. He <laughs> was the king of Blackburn at that time, David Speedy. Yes. And then we're signing Alan Shearer, and part of the deal was David Speedy to go to Southampton. Wow. So you can imagine, Ed, you can imagine the public, the players, everybody thinking, what we're doing? Mm. We're we, we getting rid of the, the reason, virtually the reason, as to why we got promoted to the, the new premiership. It's a ruthless, ruthless business, isn't it? it, well, it, it but they, 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 they were looking at the title. Kenny was probably looking at the title already. He'd won the league with Liverpool, hadn't he, as a player and a manager, a number of times. That's why Kenny was... So, so he's been so successful in football and, and Sir Kenny is a son now because mm. of his, what he's given the game and he's seen that Shearer coming for 3.3 million and Speedy going the other way as part of the deal was the best piece of business Blackburn Rovers ever going to do yeah and beat Man United to the side and it, and it, key, yeah. And it, yes yeah and it was I mean yeah he's come in scored two wonderful goals at Palace in the first game we drew 3-3 three, three. um then continued his form until he got an injury, uh, which developed into an ACL, which was a bad injury. And then still came back after that um, and was the world-class player in footballer that he was. And really the reason 
the difference between us winning the league and probably not. He was amazing in that he evolved, wasn't he? We talked about, I mentioned Ian Rush, but Shearer went deep into his 30s, but he just changed his style yeah. of play, but became, he retained it being a prolific striker throughout, Premier League's top ever scorer. He just changed. That's You have respect for those players, or you, I assume you do, that, that can just adapt their game, because it's not easy to do that and become a different player. We've seen it with Cristiano Ronaldo still going at 36 at the moment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're going to elongate your game, your career, and you've got to do it, and sometimes it's not for the benefit of this team either, um, because even if you look at, I think, the managers, the Keane and one or two others at Newcastle, who had Alan latterly, you're, they've got to then have a team or put a team out that's going to have to accommodate Alan in relation, mm. but you're going to get your goals back. Yeah. So it wasn't always um, 11 men out there giving everything they've got. It was, you know, 11 men out there and one or two can do what they need to do in in relation to um, being a benefit to the team and making being the difference in the team. And to, listen, probably 99 times out of 100, Alan Shearer was a difference between mm. two teams on many, many days of many games of football, Ed. Yeah. So mobile, you wasn't know? he, at the start as well? That's how he evolved. Mm. Because I remember the game he beat us 2-0, I think it was at Ewood Park, probably 94 time, when Stuart Ripley, I think, yeah. right-hand side, dinked one over the top. And Gary Pallister was a tall man, but he wasn't a slouch. And, and Shearer got in yep. front of him and used his strength and his speed and got there and, and smashed it past Schmeichel. I mean, past Schmeichel, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, what he did, what he did, Alan, was there. It was quite clever because when he, got, he got his body in between big um, Gary and the ball. Mm. And at that point, unless Gary brings him down penalty or, or free kick if it was outside the box, red card, does he do that or does he let Shearer score and yeah. then take the chance that 11 v 11 you can get back in the game? <clears throat> well, he's got, a header, in the, right he's got a header in that game, didn't he as well, Shearer? I think. He did, yeah. he did, yeah, yeah, he did. Um, oh, Alan was some Everything, he do everything, yeah. The, the finest, the, the, the top striker, yeah, the top striker um, <laughs> in, in, in world football, I would have said at that time. And the magic of, of Doug Leash, again, was beating Fergie to signing a Chris Sutton. I think at United, I believe, reading the papers that summer as a kid, I think we were interested in Chris Sutton as well. And, and that was the magical formula, wasn't it? The SAS, as they called him in 94, 95. And it's strange yeah, because I mean, Chris, Chris was so young back then. I mean, they're both young. I think Shearer was only 24. You forget that, how young they were when, when you guys won that title. Yeah, I mean, it was a great combination. I mean, you, you can't forget about the likes of Kevin Gallagher and Mike Newell as yeah. well as... You know, we had a really, really top squad of footballers, a great squad of footballers. And the SES, because Sutty was, um, he was an unselfish footballer. He really, he really, really was. And he was a really, really top footballer as well. As I yeah. mean, he, he could fill in at centre-back and not, what, not blink an eye if need mm. be. I don't think he was continually on a consistent level, continually a centre-back. <clears throat> but he could certainly fill in there if there was an issue or a problem. Yeah. Um, but the output that he gave, the work rate, um, and really the, the camouflage he was for Alan. Um, you know, but he still got his goals. He yeah. still got his fair share of goals as well as in some real important ones. Um, I, I miss strike partnership get, you in modern game. It's one something that you sort of... Yeah, I mean, time to time, Ed, you'll, you'll, you'll throw it on Twitter, you know, who can just see a player, you know, coming in from this side, making yeah. a last-ditch tackle and bouncing up, not worrying who's that player, and you get a load of responses on it. Um, 
Yeah. Partnerships, few and far between. I mean, even last night after the after the game that I watched was a phenomenal game, Juventus against um, Porto. Porto. Yeah. Um, you're looking at you're looking at different things within the within the the game itself, and then you're looking at the top two strikers. Haaland scores a couple for Borussia Dortmund. Mbappe will play tonight, and then you've got an open debate about who's the better of the two. <laughs> and Haaland, who I've not seen as much as Mbappe, yeah. a bit different than his dad, isn't he? Alfie yeah. Inge Haaland, different player. Yeah, just just a bit just a bit different. But you know, these are machines. These guys, aren't they? I mean, yes. And there is no money in the game at this moment in time because of the 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 world pandemic and everything else and what we're under and the situation. But these are two outstanding outstanding footballers yeah. and you know it would be really difficult to gauge who's better than the other because mm. you've and you've got this old adage as well as going on about Messi and Ronaldo I mean I think this is going to be the first time since 2004 if Barcelona do go out tonight against PSG which they probably will looks like it yeah um, that these two won't be involved in the quarterfinals of the the, cha- the Europa the sorry the Champions League 16 years long time Mate, for amazing, these two not to be involved there eh? Yeah, it's all about longevity. Yeah, it's all about longevity yeah. and, and looking after yourself and, and changing again. It's amazing. That team in '95, the yeah. Blackburn, I suppose, is another thing that's changed from. Then you mentioned the squad game is simply, you know, you could almost and we've done my, with my friends and maybe it's the age we were at that time that stays in your mind. But you, we can remember teams from that era and can certainly remember your team. You know, had Flowers in goal, Henningberg, Graham Lasso with the full backs, and it was you. And I, I kind of wondered who your regular partner was, but I suppose it was. Ian Pierce was there, wasn't he? Tony Gale was there. Yeah, in yeah. I suppose there was a little bit of a question mark over that actually at the time. I think maybe. Yeah, yeah. Well, Gailey, Gailey came and did his bit, and then Pierce he he was involved. And looking at the stats, I think there wasn't much between. I think maybe Ian Pierce played a bit more than what Gailey did, mm. but um, it was just it was. I mean, if you look now. And the quote that Andy Robertson gave out two weeks ago, was it, or the week last week, about 20 different partnerships at centre-back in one <laughs> yeah. season. Yeah. How can you be How can you be successful? No. With that? There's a balance, isn't there, between the rest and, yeah. the, and the consistency and the understanding yeah. between players? Yeah, because City's got it off to a tee, you know, um, with the exception of they were always going to get beat sometime and they got beat on Sunday against Man United, but... With the changes and, the, and everything else, and rotating centre backs, has never that's never been in world football. Rotating centre backs, something that you can do. No, and, but, and but, but, it's but, interesting but, how centre halves make other centre halves better. Like Van Dijk made Gomez seemingly better, and Diaz has made yeah. Stones better, hasn't he? Yes, yes. I mean, John Stones has been. I mean, I've always liked John Stones. I think he got a rough ride for a period of time, for a while. Mm. Um, I think. I think he's probably England's best centre back. Yeah. Um, for me, that's just my opinion. Um, Does he work with Maguire? Can that can that work? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you've got to be fair. You've got might be three an, right. an embarrassment of choices to mm. pick at that set in that position. England have. I've, listen, Ed. Whatever, whatever they choose, I hope they get it all wrong anyway. In the US, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you should for, for Scotland's sake. Throw out some, <laughs> throw out some fake suggestions. But that team as well, because I think about it, the cons- that consistency versus rotation. But you can remember Stuart Ripley and Jason Wilcox, really talented but industrious wingers up and down the side. Batty yeah. and Sherwood in the in the heart of midfield. And well, it wasn't it Batty? It was it, yeah, it wasn't it Batty. Ed. It was Mark Atkins. 
Batty played yeah. about five games, four or five games Did that he? season. And yeah, yeah, it was Mark Atkins. And I'm always sorry to step in on you there, but I always correct it because we sure, were a yeah. we were a we were a good four four two. Everybody knew their position, everybody yeah. knew their job. There's no hiding place. And a stereotypically four four two. And if you came in after the game and things hadn't gone well, you'd get you'd get dug out. Yeah. You would get dug out. Graham Lasseau, <coughs> Henningberg or Jeff Kenner on the fullback positions. Mm. Henning would sometimes step in with me at centre back. Ian yep. Pierce, you, you mentioned uh, Tony Gale, Tim at the cat and the, the goal, Tim Flowers. If it wasn't, and Mimsy would step in for him. Yeah, uh, Stuart on the right, Mark Atkins, Tim Sherwood, um, Jason Mulcox, and of course the two wingers. All Ray Harford did in training was get the ball in the box, get the ball in the box. The more balls we get in the box, the more goals we'll get because mm. we've got two machines up front in yeah. Shearer and Sutton and. It felt, yeah, like it, was, it felt like it was a team that was almost bigger than the sum of its parts, isn't it? When you look at, obviously, Shearer aside, it went on to be a, a, a star, but it feels like that everyone together was just there at the right time and it produced a... It's like a shooting star moment, wasn't it, over those couple of seasons when you when you romped to the title in the end? Yeah, when, when we look back and people talk about it and to win a game of football, you're not going to be able to carry three or three... Play, you're not going to be able to carry three players yeah. in that team when you, when you win a game of football. So over the course of the season, they reckon that the players that played, because you get you can, I mean, listen, listen to everybody now these days about how we were and everything else. You'd think we were an, abs, an average team because mm. <laughs> everybody these days with social media knows better than anyone else. <laughs> but they're, they're going back in the day saying that we played beyond ourselves. Um, well, if that's the case, then we must have played beyond ourselves quite a lot because two or three of us ended up in the Premiership team of the year. Yeah, for three or four, three or two, three or four seasons. Oh, you were t- you were t- you you were always a thorn <coughs> in our side, particularly 93, 94. I remember Sherwood saying that you should have give, been given the title because you beat us twice or something like that. Was I think his uh, he was always tongue yeah. in cheek, wasn't he, Tim Sherwood? Yeah, but I remember I remember him saying that. And I've, yeah, you were just ferociously intense. I remember Blackburn. It was always mm. eight out of ten when you played, and maybe we had players that were like Giggs and Cantona who were more flair players but actually it was you, you couldn't guarantee that you're going to always deliver whereas with Blackburn I think they're always at a level and you and you go back to that partnership thing you compl- every player seemed to complement the rest of the team didn't they that's what was yeah. great about that vision of, of Kenny that he built from so quickly really from 91 to 95 when you think about it yeah we all knew we all knew our jobs that's that's that was the key it was the, 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 and it was a team mm. you know we might have had Alan Alan Shearer and the world-class striker that we had, and he was a difference winning the league or not. Yes, I would say that. I would agree with that. But we were still a team. Um, and there was no egos in there either. You know, we, we, there wasn't anything where somebody would have to shoot somebody else down because of one thing or the other. It yeah. was just good banter. It was, it was, it was good camaraderie. We had a, it was a team thing, a team environment. A small squad um, helped, did it? Relatively, you think compared yeah, to modern day? Yeah, I think I, I think so. I mean, we had the good cop, bad cop with, with, with Kenny and Ray Harford. Um, we had that, which I think is probably not needed in the present day game. Mm. But certainly, we had it. I mean, down the leagues, I think you need that. Mm. I think some clubs will need, you know, the manager and the assistant being good cop, bad cop, and <clears throat> I still think that's that. I think that's still evident down the leagues. Um, but not at the top top level. Um, but no, we 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 were all right. And but we just with the manager change, 
at yeah. the end of the season, we won the league. Why did he step up? Why did he go? I don't understand that. I don't. I don't know. I think the word was forty-four. Look back, he's only forty-four, Kenny. It wasn't like he was, you know. Yeah. Diamond. The word. The word was was that he wanted to sign a couple of players, mm. and that uh, Jack Walker, the benefactor at the time, who well, he made the football club really the Jack. Yeah. He just Romance. decided against against that, um, and. When we attended, the first thing we knew about was the day we were getting the, the team picture prior to the season start. Was that Kenny was going to move upstairs as general manager or football director or whatever you want to categorise that as, and Ray was taking over. And it was a natural thing to do for Ray to take over because Ray had managed before at Luton mm. um, and been the he had been a, a, a number one before, yeah, and having been a number two, but he's probably for me a number two. Yeah, Ray, you know, but then again, if, if we're trying to sustain some continuity mm. by winning the Premiership, going into the, the Champions League, as well as <coughs> representing England, um, but it just didn't work, yeah. unfortunately. And that romantic story, though, is there is that Jack Walker being in the stands, eyes tearing up when you win the title and things like that. Yeah. It, that a local industrialist made his money in steel, but relatively the figures that he paid for players was you know, relatively small compared to the modern era where we have investors from mm. around the world, from the States and the Middle East buying teams. It, there was a romance to that era that you don't really get now. I suppose Dave Whelan at Wigan was a, a similar story. Yeah. But there was, well, the, the, there was several... an, owner, an owner who actually emotionally is connected to the club is a different thing. Yeah, well, he was, he was no fool though, Jack. I mean, in and around that time, Derby County and Wolves spent monies weekly as Jack Walker did. Didn't get promoted. Didn't get, didn't get into the Premiership. But the thing, the one thing that I've always, and when you read um, about teams that have won the Premiership, Leicester in the last five years, and then Blackburn <clears throat> 25 years ago, having bought the title, I've got to disagree. I've got to disagree strongly because I'll give you an, an example yeah. of Jack's infinite wisdom was that he buys Alan Shearer for 3.3 million, but he sells him for 15 yeah. million. Yeah, you buy Sutton for five million, sells him for ten. Yeah, Lasso, Lasso <laughs> to Chelsea, to Chelsea a, was it? Chelsea to Chelsea. Yeah, yeah. Lasso comes for a million, goes back to Chelsea for five million. <laughs> Ed, I cost twenty five grand. I know I went to Man City back and wow. forth, three quarters of a million. I cost twenty five thousand pound. I went to Rangers in 98, 90, 90, 98 for one uh, three point three. Three point. You were thirty three at the time. I was thirty three, and and so. There were other, there's other ones in there, all profit, profit making transfers. So what Jack Walker did was develop the football club, re, um, develop the stadium, won the Premiership, gave the club back to the town of Blackburn, the club itself, and made money. Mm. Now, okay, in the scheme of things, everything that's going on present day with the club having been relegated to the champ to the championship yeah <clears throat> and with the, the wages and never taken over at that period in time no one else has done that man united didn't do it yeah you, they all, they you, all you spend, everyone spends too much money every club spends too much money don't they that's the point well, they Rooney, all, Rooney, they're not all successful <clears throat> Rooney costs what was it 30 20 million 25 million yeah 28 20 um, yeah, rio 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 fernand but they all get freed. Yeah. The money's lost. Whereas in Jack Walker's day, he made... I mean, the best example is Alan Shearer. 3.3 million, he goes for 15. Yes. So 
I have 25. An I didn't realize he was still 25. Yes. At that time. Yeah. Yeah. He was only 25. But I have an argument when people go on about Blackburn buying the title. I'm so, I said, well, they might have bought the title, but I tell you what, they made money on it. Yeah. You know, and other clubs haven't. But they, yeah, but, but also other clubs were spending a lot of money in that era, probably more money than Blackburn would have thought. Liverpool would have, I'd arguably, spent more money around that time than Blackburn, didn't get near the title. Um, yeah, I mean, it was just the way that Jack Walker did it. I mean, he did it with precision, skill and everything else that he, he knew, you know, I mean, a very, very wealthy businessman as well, as you know, I think. Yeah, good character. So, the character oh, yeah. designed, yeah, seemed to be yeah. the, the key. yeah. Tough, tough team as well, physically. Shearer could handle himself, couldn't he? Batty, people like that in there. In there. Yeah, we, we um, looked after ourselves on the pitch. We did. Um, we did we did everything that was needed and probably more um, strong. I mean, we played, to, we played to us. The averages and the strengths that we talk about is the crosses into the box, Ed, mm. you know, for Shearer and Son. Um, we knew that the more crosses with the law of averages... Uh, that are in the box, we're going to score more goals. And back in the day, back in the day, when you're allowed to have a bet on football as a professional footballer, mm. we used to come in every home game, every home game, not one, and say, right, what's the bet today? It was the same bet every second week being the home game. Yeah. Um, Shearer score first, Blackburn to one. <laughs> yeah, those were the days. I remember that. That was the days. That was the days. Them were the days. Yeah, it was... Yeah. Uh, Painful. Look, Colin, mate, you've been really great. You've spent over an hour with me, and I really appreciate it. And um, it's fantastic Good. to talk to you and and, and uh, reminisce. And I know you've got to get cycling. You're looking after your, your mum up there in Keith in the northeast of Scotland as well. So thank you, mate. I really appreciate your time. And hopefully do this again in the future when we're maybe we'll do it in person when we're at a game or something. Or whatever. Yeah, anytime at all. I'd lo- I've enjoyed reminiscing, just going over it again. I mean, we've done it quite a bit in the last 12, 18 months with the situation, but enjoyed yeah. myself again, mate. Great to, great to speak to you. Well, it's fantastic. And um, yeah, you were thorn in, in my side as a little boy growing up, but it's certainly, <laughs> it's always a privilege to, to watch you play and to talk to you now. And, and I love you. The fact you keep that love of football, I think is great as well for, for everyone who's, who's been besotted by it since we were kids. Yeah. So, good man. Yeah, top man. Top man. Really appreciate Colin Hendry's uh, time there. And I, I suppose you can empathise or, or w- with my sense that he was such a fantastic exemplar of someone who's retained that positivity and enthusiasm for football. I think that's really good because sometimes in my line of work, working as a sports broadcaster, you meet ex-pros who kind of got jaded by the business side of football, that it was just a job, became perfunctory, something you had to clock in and clock out of. And I suppose that's a danger for all of us who follow our passions that sometimes that attitude can infiltrate, can't it? But not for him. And he, he just loves playing. And interesting revelation about the candid conversation you had with big Sam Allardyce at Bolton about how he was finished. Um, and sometimes that radical candor is needed, isn't it? I think sometimes that feedback can be, as long as you agree with it, it's not sort of a prejudiced or, or someone who's got a personal beef with you. So that's a fascinating conversation with him and very noble of him and, and altruistic to look after his mum throughout this last year, which must have been really challenging given what's happened with the pandemic. Uh, so I really appreciate his time in the context of looking after her as well. Nice for him to take that time out. And I hope he gets back playing football soon. I hope we all do. I missed it. Missed it deeply, actually. Uh, so thank you to Colin Hendry. Thank you to the sponsors, Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV. Jason Briggs, the boss there, like me, a Manchester United fan. So Colin Hendry, part of a, a Blackburn team that was a thorn in our side in that early to mid-90s. But great to, to hear from him. And Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham, head to their website, the Twitter, Instagram. 
They are specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands, providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations. And remember, if you're looking to optimize your immunity, maybe top up to certain areas, people have, actually probably women, I would imagine, have ordered iron through Cytoplan, my association with the podcast, which is fantastic as well, looking at the report I get from Cytoplan. If you'd like to go to cytoplan.co.uk, C-Y-T-O-P-L-A-N.co.uk, and look to just uh, complete your picture of, of health and well-being added to, of course, not instead of sleep, exercise, diet, then um, head to cytoplan.co.uk and my discount code, 30% off up front, 10% thereafter, is DRAPER10R, D-R-A-P-E-R, all capital letters, the numbers one and zero and the capital letter R. No vitamin D, vitamin D has been a big conversation point for me over the past year. As we enter sort of to spring now, the days are lengthening, the sunshine's got a bit more punch to it. Maybe that's not such a pressing matter in the UK. As long as you can get outside and, and drink it in, and that will vary according to your skin color, where you are in the world, how strong the sun is, how much sun you're getting at the moment, how much you're able to get outside as well. So uh, that's another consideration, I guess, is maybe the changing picture of, of the seasons around the world. And if you're in Australia, you're heading towards winter, although it's not really winter by UK standards, is it? Anyway, I hope you're well, guys. I really appreciate listening to the podcast. If you could rate it on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening to, it's on Spotify and I think about another 11 other podca- uh, podcast sites as well. That would be fantastic. If you would like to follow me on social media, not particularly prolific or <laughs> exciting, but uh, it's Ed Draper. 81 on Twitter, Ed underscore Draper, 81 on Instagram. Thanks for your time. Appreciate it and go well. Bye for now.